We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 139 of the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Got a packed show for you guys as I break down the Gamecocks 38-27 to loss to the Florida Gators on Saturday. I'll give my full thoughts and takes on the game. Also, have some baseball to go over. South Carolina baseball scrimmages, Georgia Tech picking up the win 10-6. to I'll give you guys some updates on the baseball team, just how they looked against Georgia Tech, and really an update as far as how they've looked in their fall scrimmages to this point. Some news and notes also to get to and a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks defensive tackle Philip Dukes as we talk about his path to South Carolina, playing for Steve Spurrier, being on some of the best teams in school history, his life after football, and much, much more. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast presented to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket buying app by far, the only ticket buying app I use, and the only ticket buying app I recommend. Go download the SeatGeek app and go to see or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP to save $20 off your first purchase. They've got tickets to literally anything and everything. Obviously, if you need your South Carolina Gamecocks tickets for any sporting event you're going to, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, obviously South Carolina, a ton of home games remaining in the football slate. Also have basketball upcoming. Uh, you can get your tickets there. They also have tickets to NFL, NHL, MLB, NBA, concerts, comedy club events. It does not have to be sports. Again, whatever you need your tickets to, you can get them through our friends at SeatGeek. They've also got a great ticket rating app where they rate the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So you're going to have that peace of mind before you click the buy button. It's super simple, super easy, and SeatGeek does all the work for you and make sure you're getting the best bang for your buck. So again, that's our friends at SeatGeek. Go down to the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP and save $20 off your first purchase. All right, let's get into it. Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Got a packed show, obviously. Uh, first thing as I want to say, as you can hear, I apologize for the voice. Still, still fighting the allergies a little bit, and obviously did a lot of screaming on Saturday, mostly at the referees. So uh, fighting to keep my voice intact. So Again, I apologize if I sound a little raspy, but I appreciate you guys tuning in either way. Uh, before we get into everything, got a couple housekeeping items, a couple notes I want to go over really quickly. Uh, first off, I just want to say thank you to you guys. You guys do a fantastic job as far as leaving reviews. If you haven't done so yet, though, go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, 
whatever outlet you're listening to this on, whatever form of media you're listening to this on, click the pause button right now. Do me a favor. Go leave a five-star review. Go leave a review with your feedback, your thoughts. Tell me what you like about the show. Maybe something you want to see added or improved. Obviously, switching this week is the first week going to adding in the daily show. So I'm really, really excited about that. So we'd love to hear you guys' feedback on everything. So if you could, again, do me the favor. It helps other people find the show. Obviously, it helps boost up the podcast, if you will. But obviously, also helps me be able to communicate with you guys and give you more of what you like or change things in the way that you guys like them. So if you could do me that favor, go leave a review again, whatever outlet you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google play, whatever it is, go leave a review for the Spurs up show. I really, really do appreciate it. I know a lot of you again have done so. So I appreciate that. And uh, again, if you haven't do me a big favor, I would really appreciate it. Um, The other thing I want to just say really quickly, and I I don't want to get too uh, sentimental or emotional here, but just something that kind of hit me today, Sunday afternoon, uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone. Um, you know, when I first started doing this thing, I don't know that I ever imagined or pictured it could have gotten to the point that it is now. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes as, as human beings, we stay on the go so much and we stay in constant motion that we don't have a lot of time to sit down and reflect and think about everything that's happened and where we are. And I just want to say thank you to you guys because the Spurs Up show would not exist without it's following or it's fans or it's supporters or whatever you want to call it. Um, and the people that I interact with and talk to on social media and especially run into in Columbia or wherever I'm out and about and people that take the time out of whatever they're doing out of their day to approach me, say hello, show any type of appreciation for anything that I do. I just want to say thank you to you guys. Cause without you, it'd be, it would not be possible. This would not exist. And I feel like the luckiest person in the world that I can wake up and do it. It's something I love to do every single day. Um, it's been a heck of a journey, and I'm really excited to see where it continues to go. Again, I don't want to get emotional or anything, but it's just something I was sitting about thinking that, you know, I feel very blessed and fortunate and feel like the luckiest person in the world. And it's all thanks to you guys. So, again, everybody who's ever supported me, obviously the people that listen to this show, but the people that have made this possible, which is you guys, the fans. This is why I started doing this to begin with because I love the people. I love interacting with Gamecock fans. Obviously, I love talking to former Gamecock legends, people I grew up watching on TV. And, you know, you just it's really, really cool. The people are what make it worth it, nothing else. I just wanted to show my appreciation, my thanks, my gratitude. Maybe start your Monday morning off or your Monday, whenever you're listening to this, with uh, some positivity, if you will. Um, but sincerely, a heartfelt thank you to everyone that, again, shows – you know, any type of appreciation or reaches out to me or says hello or, you know, whatever it may be. I I really do appreciate you guys and I owe you guys everything. So, uh, and it honestly, it motivates me to be even better every single day and push this thing as far as it can go and produce better and better and better and better and better content. Cause I mean, I don't know if you, you know, my, my biggest thing is, uh, my goal when I wake up is to be 1% better than I was yesterday. And that applies to personal life, business, everything, you know? So again, don't want to get too long winded, but I just wanted to say thank you to you guys because without you, it'd be, it would not be, uh, it wouldn't be possible. And I just feel really lucky and blessed and thankful for all of you. So thank you so much. Um, okay. All right. Let's get into now, I guess the negatives, which would be the South Carolina game over the weekend. Uh, Gamecocks losing to Florida 38 to 27, obviously going to break everything down. I was in the stadium for the fans that were in the stadium, by the way, shout out to the crowd on Saturday because it was a cold and rainy and not fun to sit through type of game. Um, you know, it was really weird when we showed up to the stadium, my brother and I, we showed up to the stadium. It was actually much warmer than I thought it would be. Not to, 
spend too much time talking about the weather, if you will, but it was much warmer than I thought it would be. Um, and the game, it felt like got colder and colder and colder and obviously more wet throughout the game. You know, the rain obviously came and God, it got really, really cold. But obviously, again, Gamecocks falling to Florida 38-27 in a game that, you know, they had a great chance to win, I thought. I mean, you're up 20-17 to 17 going to the fourth quarter, and you sort of see it unravel. You know, I'm going to start where I feel like everyone wants to start. I know that everyone's talking about, and I'm going to start there um, with the preface that this is not why South Carolina lost the game. But I'm going to start with the referees. That was probably the worst officiated game I've ever seen on any scale, on any level, anything. I, I mean, you know, again, and I'm, I, I don't like the people that blame refs and say, you know, well, the refs are why we lost. And I'm going to, like I said, I'm prefacing it saying South Carolina did not lose this football game solely because of the referees. Now, the refs were awful. Um, I was in the end zone where Israel Kwamu was held on the run. I've never seen something that absurd. Israel Mokwamu was held for a solid 40 yards there. I've never seen something in my life like that, a blatant hold. And then on the same play, when I get home and look at Twitter and stuff, the same play, there's a false start that was non-called. Um, the pick play, that one I, I'm upset about, but not that happens all the time, unfortunately. It is what it is. But the pick play was bad. Um, and just so many phantom, you know, the holding on J.C. Horn on the pick in the end zone. But obviously, again, the one that stands out to me, again, and that one I had the best look at, that Israel Mokwamu hold. I mean, listen, the refs were terrible. I thought Will Muschamp did the right. You know, I, I wish he would even speak out more. I mean, I know he doesn't want to get fined, and there are repercussions to these things. But, man, I mean, the officiating was bad. I mean, listen, I know Florida fans are saying it was bad on both sides. You're right. It was bad on both sides, no doubt. But – but it felt like there were a lot of plays in Saturday's game, or not just a couple, but the, 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 the non-calls were so big and so pivotal for South Carolina. I mean, the refs were bad. Again, the refs were bad, no question. They were terrible. That was probably one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen as a football fan. And really, in any sport, any type of officiating, that was probably the worst display of it. I don't know what the SEC needs to do. I don't know how a power conference like the SEC doesn't have full-time refs because I'm sure you guys know these guys aren't refs 24-7. They do other things. They sell insurance. They, you know, they run businesses. They work for whoever. You know what I mean? They work their nine-to-five jobs, and they referee on the weekend. Maybe that's not good enough. Maybe we need to take a step and hire some full-time referees that understand the game and know what they're doing. Because, again, the refs are not why South Carolina lost that football game. I'm going to get into the reasons in just a second why South Carolina lost that football game. But – it's just a damn shame when you got kids out there that are busting it and they're fighting and they're scratching and they're clawing, and the referees put it in their own hands in situations. I mean, not calling an obvious false start. Letting a guy hold a guy for 30 yards on the field, which, again, it was obvious. I mean, he had a handful of the back of, he had a handful of, the back of his jersey. Just rode him down the field, and you're saying that's not a holding. You know, the J.C. Horn thing, the pick play. So many other instances in that game. Other times where I think Florida – I know there were times where Florida seemed like they were false starting and got away with it. And, again, I'm not trying to whine and bitch and moan and complain, but I'm agreeing with the South Carolina nation, really. I think there's no one on this planet that watched that game Saturday, and the officiating didn't stand out. And when it is standing out, that is a problem. We should not be able to even notice the referees. Um, so, yeah, I, the refs are bad. The refs are bad. But like I said – 
the refs are not the reason South Carolina lost that football game. They were bad, and they cost South Carolina a couple times for sure. And if that doesn't happen, who knows? But that's not why South Carolina lost this football game. Let's talk about why they lost this football game. And I think it's honestly simple. You guys probably heard some of my thoughts on the post-game reaction on social media. You know, I'm still kind of feeling that same way, if you want to put it in a very broad spectrum. South Carolina lost that football game because Florida made plays and South Carolina did not. Um, you know, I was I want to say first, I was really proud of the way South Carolina battled, how the guys battled on the field. I mean, I, Florida's a good football team. Let's tip the cap to Florida. Florida's for real. They are not overrated. Until they get beat, they are not overrated. That is a good football team. They're going to give Georgia fits. This up, I think it's this upcoming weekend. They're going to give Georgia fits. They might win the SEC East. Florida's a good football team. Let's give Florida credit. Kyle Trask, to me, is a baller. He deserves a lot of credit as well. That was one of my big things and one of the things I want to talk about first. I mean, reason South Carolina lost this football game is because Kyle Trask outdueled Ryan Holinsky. It just There's no other way to put it. Let's take a look at the stats. Kyle Trask, 21-33, 200 yards, four touchdowns, one pick. Ryan Holinsky, 17-35, of 35, 170 yards and a touchdown, and a lot of that came in garbage time. Yeah, simply put, I mean, Ryan just wasn't good enough Saturday. I mean, it's, you know, it's – I'm not knocking him saying he should be benched or, you know, hating on Ryan, but he, he'll tell you he just did not play good enough Saturday. I mean, the Gamecocks, it's crazy to me. If you would have told me Tavian Feaster – if you'd have told me before the game, Tavian Feaster's going to have 25 carries for 175 yards and a touchdown, and the Gamecocks are going to rush for 217 yards, I would have said South Carolina's going to win by two touchdowns, no question. Because, you know, I'd, I'd have banked Ryan will throw for 250, have two touchdowns or so, whatever. But Ryan Linsky, you know, obviously it started early. And, I, you know, I, I, I liked the fact that Sal Carolina was, was, was at least willing to or trying to take some shots. Uh, I questioned the offensive identity in the ball game. I question, you know, I think they did lean on the running game. I, I, I don't want to fully say I questioned the offensive identity. I guess I questioned the offensive game plan just a tad. It didn't really feel like there was a lot of flow or a lot of – it felt like it was very run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. And if the run doesn't work, we're just going to throw it deep. It didn't feel like there was a set game plan, if you will. Um, I think South Carolina did stick to what it's doing well, which is running the football, um, which I think is a very smart move. And obviously, again, Tavian Feaster getting 25 carries. Um, another thing, too, you know, obviously – or shout out to and prayers up to Rico Dowdle. Uh, it's just – it's so unfortunate. I mean, it's just so unfortunate. He goes out first play of the game. Obviously, had ice on his knee. Will Muschamp saying in his Sunday, Sunday media availability that he's not sure, um, which to me is scary that we don't know yet. Uh, but either way, uh, Tavian Feaster and his, and his opportunity did a fantastic, fantastic job. But Ryan Alinsky simply just was not good enough. You know, when I look on the other side for Florida, I saw a quarterback in Kyle Trash that evaded pressure, that made throws under pressure, made throws in tight windows. He made plays. We didn't see that from Ryan Holinsky. And I think, honestly, that's probably the number one reason in my mind why South Carolina lost that football game. Um, you've got to be able to throw to win in the SEC. You, you just – you have to. You've got to be able to throw the football. I love the running the football. I love the mindset, the mentality. But you've got to be able to air out the football. These defenses are too good, especially Florida, who's got athletes all over the field. I don't really know <clears throat> what the fix is for Ryan Linsky because he – you know, and again, I know he's a true freshman and I'm, I'm not really trying to pile on him. But, you know, he hasn't really looked the same since that Bama game. 
you know, he doesn't look like that guy. Now I know some people out there in the Twitter world or social media or wherever people even I talk to say they think Ryan Holinsky's hurt, which I mean, listen, if they say he's healthy, I have no reason to question it. Right. I, no reason to question it, but you know, and I, Ryan does look healthy. I, I, you know, I don't really know what it is with him, you know, because it's not like he threw the ball horribly Saturday, in my opinion, you know, the deep shots, they were off by a lot. I mean, a couple of throws were, but most of the deep shots he threw, I thought, were fairly well-thrown balls. You know what I mean? Just maybe three or four steps too far for a guy. And that was the painful thing, I think, watching for all of us, is that he had guys open. I mean, he had Shy Smith open wide, wide open one time when Shy put a sick double move on a guy. There was a couple instances where I thought Brian Edwards had a step or two where if he puts it in the right spot, Brian's going to catch it. You know – but I don't know. Something was just off. I mean, it just simply was not Ryan. It was not Ryan Holinsky's day Saturday. I, I don't know how else to to swing it or justify it or whatever. Uh, but I, and I really just don't know what the fix is. You know what I mean? I, I think it's just simply being more accurate with the football, being more confident. I, you know, I don't know. He looked a little timid in the pocket at times. I don't know if maybe that's because of the hit that he took on his knee at Georgia. I mean, it may seem silly, but that can make someone – you know, kind of happy feet back there, whatever. Um, but I would just say the biggest thing for Ryan is, you know, giving your receivers a chance. That's something I'd like to see Ryan Holinsky do more of. And I'm sure, again, this is something Brian McClendon and Dan Werner and Will Muschamp, all these guys are talking about. But you have really good athletes on the outside. Uh, you, you do. You've got, if nothing else, you've got Shy and Brian Edwards who can make big plays. Um, you got to give those guys a chance, man. I mean, I, I understand wanting to lead a guy, throw it out in front of him, whatever, but – if you're going to throw the deep ball, maybe do that the first couple, but at some point you've got to give Brian Edwards a chance to go up and get the football. I mean, that's a six four, massive human being. It's a guy that can make those type of catches. He's going to be playing on Sundays probably a year from now because he's good enough. you got to give Brian Edwards a chance. But simply put, in my opinion, getting back to the point, South Carolina lost his football game because Kyle Trask outdueled Ryan Holinsky, in my opinion. Because, again, the Gamecocks ran the football well enough to win. They ran the football well enough to win, no question. You rushed for over 200 in an SEC game. You ran the football well enough, no doubt. But simply, South Carolina just did not get enough production from its passing game. You, you've got to be able to throw the football. And the way that Ryan Linsky <coughs> played on Saturday is just not going to be good enough moving forward. Um, again, I don't necessarily know what the fix is for Ryan. I, 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 one thing I want to touch on as well you know, I know a lot of you, there was a lot of complaining about the play calling. Um, and I will say there were definitely more than a few questionable play calling decisions. The one most notably coming late in the third quarter, South Carolina's driving. It's a tied football game. You've ran the ball down their throats every single play. And you get the first and goal and you decide to pass it for whatever reason. And listen, if you work, nobody, if it works, nobody cares, right? You're a genius. But the fact of the matter is it didn't work. And you hadn't had success throwing the ball all day long, and you had success running it. South Carolina, obviously, Ryan gets sacked. It pretty much changes the entire possession. You have to settle for a field goal. I thought that was a big momentum swing in the game. Um, you know, still, South Carolina had the lead going to the fourth quarter. So, I, you still felt pretty good about the potential of, um, you know, what you were working with. But, you know, just – some of the play calling decisions for sure, the offensive philosophy. I don't really know what to make of Brian McClendon at this point because I was talking to a friend about this and, 
you know, it's just so puzzling to me how some games I feel like I watch the offense and I think Brian McClendon's a genius. And then there's other games where I watch the offense and I'm like, I don't know what Brian McClendon's thinking. So, I mean, the jury's still out on me. If you're frustrated with the offensive game plan, the offensive play calling, you have every right to be because there are definitely some things in there that just do not make sense. Just don't make sense. Um, I want to give you guys a hot take really quickly, hot take alert. And, again, like I mentioned, I am not calling for the benching of Ryan Linsky. I like Ryan. He's a good player. He can spin the football. He's got the intangibles you look for. He's a leader, all that good stuff. One thing that shocked me on Saturday, though, is that we did not see to carry on Joyner. And I'm just going to make – I'm just going to throw this out there and make this point. You know, I'm optimistic and hopeful and think that Ryan Linsky is going to continue to develop. He's going to get better. He's going to have better games than he has said. Listen, I just – I don't think it was his day. It didn't – he didn't look comfortable. It was not his day. You know, in sports, some days are your days. Some days just aren't. That's just how it works. It's nothing you did or did not do. It's just whatever reason, it didn't work out that day. Um but I have to say, I have to say, if Ryan Holinsky continues to th- struggle throwing the football the way he did Saturday, why not put on Joyner in the football game? Because if you can't throw it anyways, you might as well have a guy back there who can run around and make plays with his legs. And Ryan Holinsky obviously cannot do that. Um, but again, if you can't throw the football any better than what you did Saturday – why would you not give a guy like to carry on Joyner a shot to just make plays with his feet, change up your offensive philosophy, run the spread, or the uh, you know run the run the read option, give Dak the chance to keep it or use that running game with Tavian Feaster? I mean, that might be <coughs> that might be what you have to go to, you know. So again, I am not campaigning for that. <laughs> I'm not camp- You need to be able to throw the football to win games, and I know Ryan Linsky can throw the football. We've seen it. We all know. But, again, like I said, since Bama, Missouri, Kentucky, well, he, he did throw it very, very well in Athens. So, let's give credit there. But he's, we just have not seen him throw it around like you would like. And, again, I know he's a true freshman and everybody's going to make the excuses or whatever. There are a lot of true freshmen out there that are making big plays, that are throwing the football around. You know, we just need to see Ryan Linsky be better. And I think he would definitely be the first one to tell you and he would agree with that. Um, but South Carolina, simply put, has got to throw the football better to win big games like that. Because, listen, again, at the end of the day, Brian Holinsky got outdueled by Kyle Trask, period. That, that, to me, that's the number one reason South Carolina lost his football game. Um, like I said, I want to tip my cap and give a huge shout-out to Tavian Feaster. 25 carries, 175. He looked like the player we all thought he was going to be. Um, and that's not a shot at him or anything, because obviously Rico Dowdle came on and has been the dude and wish for a speedy recovery for him. But, man, Tavian Feaster looked awesome. I mean, he has that burst, that acceleration, that 21-yard touchdown run that he had, what was it, early? Yeah, to start the third quarter, phenomenal run, uh, fantastic run. How often, by the way, kind of a side note, the halfback draw was probably like the best play in the playbook on Saturday. It's crazy how many times we ran that and had success with it. Um, but Tavian Feaster, phenomenal man, hits the hole hard. Is a guy that has a, you know, like I said, phenomenal speed. He showed just his crazy balance and agility on that touchdown run. I think South, somebody that South Carolina, you know, you don't know what the hell the Rico Dowdle is, but Tavian Feaster's a guy that needs to continue to touch the football for sure. For sure needs to touch the football. He's a game-breaking type player. I thought defensively, honestly, man, I thought South Carolina played well defensively. 
Um, at some point, though, when your offense stalls so much and you get worn down, and then when South Carolina gave Florida the short field, or yeah, when South Carolina gave Florida the short field, not much your defense can do there. And Florida's a good football team with a good quarterback, really good wide receivers. They've got a good running back in the Michael P. Ryan. And eventually they're going to break through. That's the type of game for South Carolina you need to win 35-31. Um, or it's a game where your offense needs to be able to help out your defense a little bit. I'm not worried about the Gamecocks defense. after. And, and you know, the crazy thing is, I think, again, the defense played well. Um, I thought the defensive line played really, really well. I thought they did. I thought they, they created a lot of havoc in the backfield. Um, again, it's just that some, you, you've got to tip your cap to Kyle Trask. I mean, he made plays. He, he avoided pressure. There were so many times where I thought South Carolina had a for sure sack, and he somehow gets away. And you're like, how did he get away? And he did. So, you know, again, it really just comes down to – Florida made more plays than South Carolina did. I think you heard Will Muschamp kind of say that in the post-game presser. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> Florida's a good football team. No question. Florida's a good football team. Like I said in the beginning of the show, I'm really proud of the fight, though, this Carolina football team had because we've seen this South Carolina football team come out in what we felt like was a big game and fall flat on its face, look disoriented from the start. And I, you know, I mean, this is a very good football game. South going up 20 to 17, going to the fourth quarter. That's all you can ask for is to have a chance to win a football game like this on your home field. I mean, the Gamecocks had a top, another top 10 team on the ropes at Williams-Brice. And again, the Williams-Brice crowd, phenomenal. Got very loud. Don't listen to what Mark Ryan says. It was loud in the stadium. No question. But, you know, I, I just think, uh, you know, obviously that, that turnover, I think once Alinsky fumbled that, uh, it's going to be really, really hard to salvage anything from that point. Um, and, you know, Florida just outdueled you. So, I think Gamecock fans, honestly, I mean, you're not going to – you shouldn't be happy with a loss. Um, and it makes this upcoming game against Tennessee such a must win. I mean, not that it wasn't before. Not that it wasn't before, but you got to win it. You just – you have to go up to Knoxville and get the win. But, again, I'm proud of the fight the Gamecock showed. I mean, Florida's a good team. And um, at the end of the day, they just outdueled you. They just, they just made more plays than you. Um, I think South Carolina's got a good recipe to win if it can just get its passing game figured out. Because Tavian Fisher's a really good player. I'm really happy with the offensive line. I want to give them a shout-out as well. The offensive line, I thought, looked really, really good on Saturday. I like what I see from Jovan Gwynn, um, Eric Douglas, guys making plays down the field, making blocks. Um, obviously, you know what you got in Brian Edwards with Shai Smith. Uh, even Ortray Smith. God, where has Ortray Smith been? He gets his first touchdown of the season, and it feels like that's his first catch. Um, Ortre Smith gets out there, gets a touchdown, obviously in garbage time, but either way, gets on the field and gets a touchdown. Um, you know, it just – it's. I mean, listen, Saturday sucked. It did. Because I feel like victory was right there in our hands and it got taken away. Um, but, you know, it's harsh, but it's the truth. I just don't think Ryan Linsky played good enough for South Carolina to deserve to get the win. I, I just – that's really what it comes down to. And, again, I think that in this – week of preparation heading to Tennessee, that is the biggest, I don't want to say concern, but the thing I'm keeping my eye on the most is how does he continue to progress? Because, again, South Carolina is not going to win games or when it plays a team like Clemson even be competitive if they don't get a good Ryan Holinsky. You know what I mean? Like, he, he just, you know, you don't have to throw for 350 and five touchdowns, but – 
when you got shots, when you got chance, when you when you take shots, you got to hit them. You know, they say in, there are five or six plays in a football game that really determine the game. South Carolina missed about three or four shots that would have had a huge difference in that game, no doubt. Uh, huge momentum shifting type plays, and for whatever reason, Gamecocks couldn't hit them. So again, I, you know, I I keep saying I'm proud of this team because being at Williams Bryce. That was the first time in a long time where we were playing in a big game and it felt, it felt like we showed up. I mean, we threw the first punch. You know, getting the touchdown to open the game felt great. I mean, we threw that first punch and we came to play. Just wasn't our day Saturday. I mean, really, when you look at it, just was not our day. And I think the Gamecocks will bounce back. Um, tip of the cap to Will Muschamp and that entire staff for having that team ready to play. You know, noon game, rainy, cold. You could have come out unmotivated or – you know, still still patting yourself on the back from the Georgia game. This team did not do that. They came out ready to play, punched Florida in the mouth, and Florida, like a prized fighter, punched back. And, unfortunately, they had more punches than we did. Um, so, again, there's still a lot of things this team's got to figure out. This team's got to get a lot better. Ryan Holinsky's got to get a lot better. The secondary needs to continue to improve. Um, you know, you guys, I, I was basically – crucified on Twitter uh, during the Georgia game when I said that, you know, I was shocked at how utterly bad the secondary is. And obviously, yes, that's harsh, but in the, in the, in the moment, in the emotion of the game, I was just saying what I felt. Um, and I'll continue to tell you guys. I mean, obviously, Jamie Robinson, his first career pick, um, obviously great to see. Guy with a ton of talent. Looked electric, by the way, with the ball in his hands. The secondary's got to be better, man. The secondary's got to be better, period. Um, you know, again, Kyle Trask. I mean, having – and he's a really good player. Throwing for 200, throwing for four passing touchdowns, though. Got to be better. Got to be better. Um, I don't know what or who J.C. Horn has got to pay off to get his first career interception. You know, finally gets it. They call him for a hold. I mean, this guy just cannot – he just can't win. Um, so, uh, again – Proud of the Gamecocks on Saturday. You know, I think there's positives definitely to take away. You had a top 10 team on the ropes for, what, 40, uh, like 50 minutes of that game. I mean, most of that game going into the fourth quarter, I think you simply just ran out of gas. And, again, it's hard to only lean on a running game and win a football game. Um, so, I think the Gamecocks will be fine, honestly. I think, I think South Carolina will be fine. But you better get that passing game figured out because if you don't, if Ryan Linsky has a bad performance again in Tennessee, it can make that game much, much more interesting than I think a lot of you would prefer. Uh, so, again, Gators get the win, 38-27. South Carolina, um, you know, has to kind of come back together, regroup. You know, it's funny, before the season started, I called this stretch with Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee the most important three-game stretch of the season. And I said, you really need to go two and one. You really do need to go two and one. South Carolina's taking the harder route. <laughs> they caught the Georgia Bulldogs. They beat Georgia. Um, but you got to beat Tennessee. You've got to beat Tennessee because, again, losing to Florida is not something that is an unforgivable sin. I mean, Florida's a top-10 team. They're a good football team. We get it. But don't let Florida beat you twice. Do not let this Florida game linger and take it to Knoxville with you. I don't think South Carolina will, but I'm just saying that's something you have to avoid. Um, so, again, you know, 
fun game to be at. Very cold, very rainy, but, uh, you know, proud of the Gamecocks fight. And, you know, listen, Florida's a good team. So give Florida some credit. They're a very, very good football team. All right, switching gears a little bit, moving into baseball. Gamecocks baseball scrimmaging Georgia Tech on Sunday. Beat the Jackets 10-6. to Just wanted to speak on the baseball team a little bit, give you guys an update as far as the scrimmages and just how the fall is going. Again, like I said, Sunday, South Carolina beating Georgia Tech 10-6. to First thing, South Carolina baseball fans, amazing. Great crowd on hand. It was a beautiful day out at Founders Park. Um, Gamecocks hit the baseball very, very well. Um, I thought we got to see a lot of good arms as well. Listen, Georgia Tech's a very good team. Um, Very, very good. They threw some guys on Sunday that are some studs, no doubt. This is a Georgia Tech team that went to the Super Regionals a year ago. Uh, Talking with someone familiar with their team at the scrimmage, a team that lost about 40 home runs from a season ago, but they got talent all over the field. So the Gamecocks, I know it's fall, but to get the win, was very, very nice to see, to be honest. Um, you know, just speaking on the fall in general and just kind of a general update, if you're a Gamecocks baseball fan, which if you're listening to this, you are, uh, you should be very excited. Um, I think South Carolina's team, just kind of a really, really, really early, broad look towards the 2020 season. If nothing else, this is a team that's going to be much, much deeper than it was a year ago. That's on the mound, that's at the plate. Um, they're just they're just deeper. You've got more options. I mean, we were I was talking with someone today. South Carolina's got a good problem right now. It's got a lot of good quality arms, and you really don't know where you're going to put them all. Obviously, Carmen Majinski coming back from surgery. He has been phenomenal in the fall. Um, he's touching right now, hitting 97 the other day at the scrimmage. I mean, he's sitting 95 miles an hour, devastating breaking stuff. He's probably going to be a first-round draft pick um, and is without a doubt going to be your Friday night ace. Uh, other guys that have stood out to me, so as far as the mound, we'll start. Danny Lloyd, his stuff has been electric, um, throwing 95, which, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of guys on South Carolina's team who have put on really, really good weight. Danny Lloyd's one of them. Guys shoving the baseball, his slider, cutter, whatever it is, filthy. It's a wipeout pitch. Um, Brennan Jordan's another guy who's really standing out to me. Juco kid that – does not that it does not like this is his first year in the program has a lot of poise moxie very repeatable delivery very smooth um, something I, somebody I think South Carolina fans should be excited about I think Cam dude for South Carolina this year I don't know what role but I think Cam Tringali will be a dude I like what I've seen from Dylan Harley I think he's got much better control he's got his stuff together John Gilry's been good is going to be a veteran that I think that I know needs to step up and contribute and have a bigger role for South Carolina uh, and I think he will. Um, couple guys I haven't pitched, Brett Carey, Wesley Sweat. They have not thrown this fall, but obviously guys who are going to contribute for you big time. Um, I feel like I'm leaving some people out. Like I said, there's so many pitchers. There's so many pitchers to go over and discuss. But uh, Gamecocks look solid on the mound, no doubt. And there's a lot of competition, a lot of good competition, which is what South kind of needs. Obviously, Mark Kingston kind of loading up on the Juco guys. But the Gamecocks pitching staff, to me, has been – Really, really good this fall. No question. You've got some really capable arms, I think, are going give to you, give you some really good innings this 2020 season. As far as at the plate and the field, um, you know, I think hitting is still a question for me and will probably be not a concern, but something I'm keeping a very, very close eye on going into the 2020 season. Uh, you lose a lot of production from a year ago, and listen, this is a Gamecocks team that did not swing the bats well last year. I think they were almost dead last in the SEC in batting average. Um, I was joking around with somebody today. I basically said that uh, no matter what happens this year, there's one thing guaranteed I will not do. I will not get overexcited about hitting numbers from non-conference play <laughs> because this team crushed non-conference pitching in the uh, 2019 season and went dead cold against SEC pitching. It's two different seasons. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I think the Gamecocks have got some capable bats. The Bryant Bowen, Bryant Bowen and Dallas Beaver, those two transfers, I think those are big sluggers that are going to be really, really good bats for Carolina. Wes Clark had a three-run homer against Georgia Tech, dead center field. I think he's a guy that can be a smasher for you. Uh, George Khalil's look, you know, we'll go back. We'll, we'll go around the diamond. I think right now you're starting third baseman's Brennan Malone, um, a guy who is a true freshman that carries himself like a junior or a senior. Guy who looks really comfortable over there, swings the bat well, plays a good defensive third base. I think he's your starting third baseman. George Khalil over at short, phenomenal. I mean, this dude has crazy soft hands, looks so smooth in the field. I think obviously the verdict's still out. Can he hit consistently enough? But he's going to be in the lineup. There's nobody else even competing, in my opinion, for the shortstop position. Um, second base is interesting. You know, I think Noah Campbell could still be your guy there. I think Brandon Wimmer, uh, guy that you guys don't know who he is, but I think Brandon Wimmer, uh, or Braylon Wimmer, excuse me, Braylon Wimmer, uh, is a kid, six foot four, real lanky, true freshman. I think he could be your starter over there. I think Wes Clark's your first baseman. Catcher is a position where South Carolina fans, South Carolina baseball fans should be excited. Uh, Gamecocks are going to have to rely on one guy to catch 60 games this year, which is a relief. Um, I think right now your best defensive catcher, without a doubt, is Colin Burgess, freshman out of Lexington. He's been phenomenal behind the plate, blocking balls up, making plays. Um, you know, I don't know. I think they're probably going to rotate out. You know, Wes Clark can also catch. Uh, but you've got Colin back there. You've got uh, – uh, excuse me, Beaver. I think Beaver's going to really be your other catcher. I think it'll be Colin, Beaver, and Wes Clark will be your three catchers. Um, you obviously need Beaver's bat in the lineup, but I do think Burgess is your best defensive catcher. Again, has a phenomenal arm as well. Uh, but we'll kind of see how that pans out. Outfield-wise, you're going to have uh, Andrew Eister, Brady Allen, those two guys. They both look really good this fall. Uh, I'd like to see a little more out of Brady Allen. I know he's got more in the tank, but he seems like a guy that just kind of cuts it on when the lights cut on. So not too worried about him. Eister's a guy. I know he's challenging himself, and this coaching staff is challenging him to step up, you know, be – sort of that leader, you know, led South Carolina with a 300 batting average. But listen, this is a guy that can, in my opinion, hit 350 and hit 15 home runs for you. I think Andrew Eister is that kind of player. And then in center field, you guys may have saw my video a couple weeks ago, or actually last week, a couple weeks ago. Uh, last week, Noah Myers. Noah Myers, I think, is your starting center fielder. Made a phenomenal catch against the wall. Uh, <laughs> against Andrew, or off the ball, Andrew Eister hit, funny enough. But uh, has great speed, is a really annoying hitter in the sense that if you're a pitcher and you're trying to get him out, he will not go away. Um, and once he gets on the base pass, he causes havoc. There is no doubt. I've noticed that about him. He causes havoc on the base pass, which is a good thing for South Carolina. So um, this overall, again, wanted to give you guys sort of an update for you baseball fans out there. I know we're all in football mode, but, uh, you know, I, I really like what I've seen from this team. Obviously, the big team for the baseball team in 2020 trying to bounce back from what was a really, really disappointing 2019. Um, and I think the pieces are there to have a big 2020. I really do. I think the pieces are there. and I think the Gamecocks, there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, now can they put it all together and put the pieces in the right places left to be seen, but there's a lot to be excited about there. I think there's a lot of potential in the South Carolina baseball team. So, all right, that's the baseball talk for uh, probably the entire fall until we get to January. <laughs> Moving into some news and notes here. Uh, you know, kind of a bad situation, not kind of really a, just a bad situation. Uh, Jamel Cook, Defensive back being dismissed from the team. He only played in one game this year at one tackle. But uh, domestic dispute, um, you know, just obviously something you don't want to see. Uh, it's not a good situation for anybody. Um, I'm glad, you know, I, I want to say I, I'm not happy that it happened or happy that he's dismissed from the team necessarily. But I am glad that Will Muschamp, you know, decided to kind of pull the trigger on this. 
and do the right thing. You know, I, I there's no place for anybody in an organization that hits women. Um, and, you know, obviously you can say, well, we need to hear both sides of the story, yada, yada, yada. But obviously if Will Muschamp's pulling the trigger on this, he knows enough to know that there was some wrongdoing here. And it's unfortunate. You know, you don't want to see somebody's life or career or their dreams end over one mistake. But you you put Will Muschamp in this program in a bad position when um, – you do something like that. So I'm glad to see him at least stand up for that because, again, there's just there's no, there's no tolerance. There's no room for it. There's no tolerance for laying your hand on a female. That's one of my cardinal rules as well. Uh, and it's just unfortunate. You know, it's unfortunate. I know he didn't play a lot, but just to see a, you know, young student athlete kind of do that to his career, it, it's just unfortunate. So, anyways, crazy news on a Sunday. Jamel Cook being dismissed from the team. Um, other news and notes, Gamecocks opened up as a four-and-a-half-point favorite over the Tennessee Volunteers. And that line to me is very, very, very interesting, if you will. It's very interesting um, because South Carolina, again, four, you're thinking to yourself four and a half. That's not a very big line. This, and obviously we'll talk about this more throughout the week, this is going to be a dogfight with Tennessee. I, I hate to say that. God, I hope we go to Tennessee and beat them by three touchdowns. But this feels like this is going to be a dogfight with Tennessee. And it's a game that I'm a little nervous about. Not going to lie to you guys, but that line almost kind of confirms it to me. But, like, this is going to be a dogfight. Four and a half is not a big number. Um, you know, Vegas is expecting a close game, and Vegas generally knows more than we do. Um, so, anyways, take it for what it's worth. Obviously, I'll have the best bet segment later this week with Gamecocks opening up as a four and a half point favorite in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, other news, Gamecocks basketball, I think it was on Friday, picks up a commitment, 2020 power forward Javon Benson. Uh, so Frank Martin doing work on the recruiting trail, as I see. And obviously the Gamecocks about to tip off here, actually, October 30th. Uh, so 10 days or, what, nine days from now, their first, uh, first exhibition. So crazy, man. We're, we're, we're getting right back into basketball season. Um, other than that, I think that's all the news and notes. Uh, yes, that's all the news does. All right, cool. Let's get into the listener questions. Got a ton of voicemails, obviously going to run through these really quickly. Let me get them pulled up here. Um, one thing I do want to say too, back to the football game, the Jersey combo, the throwbacks are fire. I thought white, black, white looked good. I like the, the, the throwback, the full throwback with the helmet. You know, what's kind of weird. I used to hate, I used to hate the block C with the white circle it's actually kind of growing on me a little bit. It really is because it's just, it's so distinct to South Carolina. Like it's almost kind of growing on me. Like I'll, I, but I want to see us like, are we going to go all in or all out? Are we going all in throwback or all, or are we not? You know what I mean? So I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting. Um, all right, cool. Let's get in these voicemails. Got a ton of them as you can imagine. Hey Chris, just want to say I'm a big supporter of your show. Um, it just got back from the uh, USC Florida game. Um, in my opinion, I feel like everybody just took turns messing up and making mistakes, whether it was our receivers, whether it was Ryan maybe throwing a, you know, a pass a little bit too far, whether it was the O-line just missing blocks, same thing right back on. I felt our defense actually did a very good job in controlling the line of scrimmage and just being able to you know, put pressure on just the whole entire team in general. But uh, I'm just curious uh, – do you think that Florida is actually – do you think that they are better than us, or do you think that was just a game that was a game of mistakes uh, rather than pure talent and coaching? Because I feel like I feel like we are better than Florida, and I believe that 
if it wasn't for our schedule, we are definitely one of the top 25 teams in the country just simply because of our schedule really holds us back. But, uh, yeah, I just want to say um, uh, love your show and uh, go Cox. All right, man. Yeah, appreciate the, uh, appreciate the voicemail. Appreciate the kind words. I think Florida's a more talented football team than we are, yeah. No, no, no question. They've got a ton of talent. I mean, it's just – you know, I, I know it's fun to run with the whole Florida's overrated narrative, but they are a good football team, no doubt. Um, I think they're probably a little better than South Carolina. I mean, they're, listen, they're a top ten team. You have to say they're better than South Carolina. You just, you just do. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, when you said guys taking turns, making mistakes, I mean, South Carolina just made too many mistakes. That, that's why they lost the game. Florida did not make all the mistakes South Carolina made, and again, they made more plays when it mattered than we did. Simply put, so um, no. Appreciate the voice, man. Really good thoughts. Hey, what's up, man? It's my first time calling, leaving a comment. Uh, it was a real frustrating game. It's, uh, it's really hard to believe. We were up twenty to seventeen with what ten, eleven minutes to go, and then maybe even a few minutes later, it's already thirty-eight twenty. And it's just uh, frustrating. Didn't execute on offense. Defense couldn't make the big stop when it needed to, the fourth and three play, and then give up a touchdown right after that. Just for whatever reason, just Ryan just couldn't connect on the big throws. Uh, I know he's not 100%, just, you know, conditions play the factor. But, you know, had the ball to Brian down the sideline, which could have been a massive play. The one to Shy Smith over the middle would have been a huge, huge play. Just couldn't make the throws, you know. I just put too much on it. and <laughs> Don't even get me started on the officiating, but I know you'll have more than enough comments about that. It's, I see all over Twitter and all over the Internet. It was, it was really bad, but real frustrating game. Game was there for us for the taking, but, you know, Florida made some adjustments. They made some plays. They made the plays when they needed to, and it just is what it is, but I hope we come out with some intensity next week, come out pound Tennessee and, and then Bandy and App State because there's still a chance to win six, seven games here on the schedule. And it's just sweet. We got to do it. Hopefully Ryan gets healthier. Hopefully battles okay. And hopefully we can put something together. Because, I mean, I, I think we have the makings of a good team. It's just a matter of, of everything coming together. Anyway, love your show, man. Keep doing you. And, uh, I'll listen to your show here later in the week. All right. Hey, thanks for the voicemail, man. I appreciate you calling in. Yeah, I agree with a lot what you said. Um, I mean, definitely a frustrating game in the sense, like you said. I mean, we're up 2017 going, 20 to 17 going to the fourth quarter. Um, that's a game you had to the taking, and, you know, you could have beaten another top ten team. And, again, it obviously just didn't work out and proved to not be South Carolina's day. But, again, I think there are positives you can pull from it. And, you know, <laughs> it's like some of you have said. I mean, you look at the schedule. Tennessee, Vanderbilt, App State. I mean – those are three games that South Carolina is going to be favored in all three. So, you know, that's a stretch where if you can get to three and zero, get to six wins, get bowl eligible with Tennessee and Clemson still remaining. I think that's a huge success, um, and I think it's something South Carolina can do and honestly needs to do. What's going on, Chris William from Denver. Just calling to give you my thoughts on on the game here. Uh, obviously, very disappointed that we. Put up a good effort. Um, you know, going into the fourth quarter again, it's just you got to be better in the fourth quarter over, overall and all around. We just – we always go into the games, you know, the Florida game last year we were up 20 or we were up – I don't even know how many 
how many points, but we gave up 21 unanswered. You know, came into to this game in the fourth quarter, ended up giving up 21 points in the fourth quarter at least. Um, we just got to we got to do better in the fourth quarter. Kind of also want to know your thoughts on the safety position has been just an absolute nightmare for the Gamecocks this year. Um, R.J. Roderick, he just looks like he just plays football just to injure people or just hit people as hard as he can, has no field knowledge, has no game knowledge, doesn't know where he's supposed to be, doesn't know how to cover. I mean, what's going on with Jamel Cook? You know, very highly touted player coming out of California. Um, I know he's a top 100 player on 247, so I'm not – I'm not too sure if we can give him a, a look. Obviously, Jemias is transferring, but kind of want to know your thoughts on safety position because you know I saw your tweet and uh, it's been abysmal. I agree with you. So uh, still rooting my cocks on, and hopefully uh, next week we get a dub. All right, Chris, appreciate the voice, young man. Yeah, I mean, I you know I uh, I don't know. It's you know, R.J. Roderick was a guy I was super high on coming into this season. I, I agree with you, though. Being a good safety is a lot more than just hitting someone. Um, you need to be able to play coverage and recognize, you know, run schemes and fill gaps and stuff like that. And I don't know. I, I don't really know what the deal is with the safety position. I don't know if it's, we need better players or, you know, obviously the Jamel Cook situation has been answered. Uh, but jam transfers, which he really wasn't that good of a player, let's just be honest. Um, I think J.T. eBay has been solid. But he's not a top-level caliber-type safety either. Um, so, I don't know. I, I really don't know if it's that the Gamecocks just don't have the players or what it is. But it's kind of strange that that position has not been answered with, you know, Will Muschamp being a former safety himself and that being his specialty. You know, it's, it's really hard to believe. So, um, hopefully they can get it turned around at the safety position. But, yeah, it, it is just it's, – it's baffling how bad – uh, or how much just the struggles that the safety position has had? Hey, guys. Uh, here on Jack Fox from over here on YouTube. Um, I love listening to you guys all the time. I mean, great Gamecocks content. Um, what I was noticing today on Saturday after our game, uh, Vanderbilt beats Missouri 21-14 in Nashville. Um, just looking at that, what do you think about that, guys? I mean, um, if we just handle business against teams that we should be beating, don't you think that losing these games to teams that we're probably not quite as good as is not quite as disheartening? Give me your thoughts on that. I mean, it's bad to play second fiddle. And I know uh, it, it's hard to accept that, but we're just not on that upper uh, rung Carolina Jackpot, legend. Appreciate you calling him in. We definitely got a collab on something, by the way. But, no, appreciate you calling and leaving a voicemail. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of where South Carolina is right now, sort of stuck in the middle. Uh, everybody's trying to catch the top six or eight teams in the country who are really the only teams that realistically have a shot at winning a championship, and everybody else is just sort of fighting for pretty bowl game trophies or whatever. But, uh, you know, I, that was crazy. I mean, Vandy beating Missouri makes that game 
look a lot tougher. You know, Vandy normally is a tough game for South Carolina for whatever reason, but uh, no, nah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, you have in every conference, you have maybe two or three teams that are upper echelon and everybody else is just sort of beating each other up. You know what I mean? So I think the Gamecocks are building. Um, I, I don't think you ever want to get complacent though and say, oh, well, we're just in the middle, but no, you make a good point, man. I mean, I think South Carolina football right now kind of is where it is and you've just got to continue to try to build and be as good as you can possibly be. Now, I know that sounds kind of cliche and kind of corny, but that, that really is what it just comes down to. Continue to build this program, get better players, and compete with those upper echelon teams. Hey, Chris. This is Dale from Edgefield. Uh, my last call got cut off. I'm going to just start over and make it a little more concise. Um, yesterday's game, I'm really proud of this team and everything that they've done. Since the beginning of the year, we've become a much better program and uh, proud of what, what Muschamp has built. This season, I'm not sure I expected the resilience after the early loss to North Carolina and Missouri. But, um, you know, we, we went head-to-toe, toe-to-toe with two top-ten programs in a matter of two weeks. And that's, uh, that's something that you can build on. And, you know, you gain respect by doing that, especially with them damn zebras on the field that, you know, uh, they, I don't know what happened. They missed a bunch of calls, and I ain't making excuses. I don't want to do that. But they, uh, they kind of dropped the ball on us. And uh, you know, they're the Taters. Dabo says, "Bring your own guts," and our coach says, "Gutless." And I think that's all that ought to be his motto that we go after the rest of the year. That we got to bring the goon squad back, back in the DJ swearing today. So we're just gonna be a, a bunch of gutless individuals if we. We're going to take names and kick ass, or however you say it. Anyways, Chris, this is Dale from Edgefield, buddy. Uh, Spurs up, go Cox. I'll, uh, I'll holler at you later. All right, Dale. Appreciate you, man, as always. Love love hearing from you. Love the voicemails. Um, yeah, I think, you know, kind of what you said is why, like, I have a weird feeling after the Florida games, like, that I'm not that – I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed, obviously. We're all disappointed. But I'm not, like, upset. You know what I mean? Like, like you said – we did play another top 10 team tough and went toe to toe with them and was leading the football game going into the fourth quarter. I mean, <clears throat> this team showed fight, resilience, you know, and I think for the longest time, that's all South Carolina fans really wanted to see from Will Muschamp in this program making progress wise was just when you play a big game against a team that, you know, even if they're better than you, just put up a fight, put up a good fight, make them sweat. And South Carolina's been able to do that, obviously beating Georgia and then, you know, what they did against Florida. So, you know, again, kudos to the staff, this entire team for, again, uh, you know, putting together a good game plan, executing on it, not letting the moment be too big and going out there and just, you know, laying it all on the line. I think that's something the South Carolina fans we can at least be proud about. Um, so, all right, let's run through these listener questions real quick, and then we'll get to our interview. Uh, Going to start with Jay Rowland, Realtor. Why does Joyner not see the field? Holinsky isn't it. Um, I think Kalinsky is it, but I do agree with you that Joyner needs to see the field in some capacity. Um, ben Smitty, 2017. What was wrong with Ryan? Just think it wasn't his day. I mean, for whatever, we, for whatever reason he was off, um, you know, I don't know. wasn't his day. I, I, I really don't know. I just He just was not on his game. Uh, let's see. Ranger Will Garrett, what does this mean for our season? All it really means is we're not winning the SEC East, but I think obviously, you know, the main goal, which is making a bowl game, is still on the table for this team. It's Wad underscore 03. Did the refs get paid? It sure looked like they did. 
Uh, J.K. Gill, 34. Alinsky has to play better, period. Played five games, has had one good one and one average one. I agree with you. He's got to be better. He's got to continue to make progress and be better for South Carolina. There's no question. Uh, let's see. Palmer King, 14. Why can't we appeal to get new officiating crews? Hey, we can try. I mean, I, I don't know what needs to happen to that officiating crew, but I hope they never are on a South Carolina game ever again. Uh, underscore Nicholas K. Howry underscore. Why won't we let Holinsky throw the ball? Um, I mean, I think they wanted to throw it. We just didn't have success doing it. I think, and I think the weather certainly played a factor, but, you know, when you're not having success doing it, continuing to try to do it seems a little crazy. But they, 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 the passing game's got to be better. No question. It's got to be better. Uh, let's see. Upperman underscore. Who's more to blame for the loss today, the refs or the offense? I think the offense. You just didn't make enough plays. Ryan Alinsky did not make enough plays for the South Carolina to win this football game. Um, Joey Sigler won. It's 8.22 p.m. and number 89 is still holding Izzy. <laughs> I agree. Izzy McCormick is still being held. Uh, Real Josh Will 90. Was the game stolen from us or did our defense give up? No, I think it was Florida took it. I mean, we didn't make enough plays offensively and you're not going to hold a team like Florida down Forever. They're a good team. They got good athletes on the outside and the running back position, their quarterback. They're going to score their points. I mean, you just got to help them offensively. And, you know, at some point they're going to break through and they did. So I, I, I don't, I'm not hitting the panic button on the defense because of that game. Let's just say that. Um, Jonathan Weatherford, hire a damn OC. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think, like I said, if you're a Gamecock fan questioning the offensive game plan or the execution of it or whatever, you have every right to, because there were definitely some questionable calls in that game. Uh, let's see. Miss Johnson, 716. Is Muschamp holding back comments because he will be fined? Most likely. Uh, last question here. Shoot is 290. What was your opinion on the refs during the game? They were god-awful. There's no question. They were god-awful. Terrible. Terrible. I don't know what kind of consequences they can or will or could even give them, but they're bad. I mean, they, they were just bad, period, point blank. So, um, all right, let's get into our interview. Former Gamecocks defensive tackle, Philip Dukes. Uh, awesome dude. Had a phenomenal conversation with him. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. And it's all brought to you again by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket buying app by far, the only ticket buying app I use. The only one that I would recommend, go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, it's a no-brainer. If you're going to any, any more South Carolina Gamecocks sporting events, concerts, comedy club events, uh, you know, NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB playoffs, you want to go to the World Series for whatever reason, get your tickets through SeatGeek. Whatever you need your tickets to, they're going to have them there. They've got a great ticket rating system where they rate the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So you're never going to have to panic when you're buying tickets. You're always going to get the best bang for your buck. They do all the work for you. It's really that simple. So, again, that's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go down the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. All right, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks defensive lineman, Philip Dukes. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2011 to 2015. During his career, he amassed 64 total tackles, nine and a half tackles for loss, one and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries. He played on some of the best defensive lines and best teams in school history. I'm very pleased to welcome to the show former Gamecocks defensive tackle, Philip Dukes. Philip, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yes, sir. Great. Glad to be on, too. 
Absolutely. So, Phil, I want to start in the beginning for you because a uh, very interesting recruitment of you. You were a four-star prospect come out of Manning High School. Uh, you were considering Clemson, Bama, North Carolina, South Carolina, obviously, and I believe it came down to Clemson and South Carolina. Uh, just kind of talk about the recruiting process for you and the, why you eventually chose that South Carolina was the right place for you. Uh, starting out with, uh, I was used to going in Clemson games, Traveling with my coaches and going to see everything, it took off my freshman year of high school when I actually went to see, was it Ole Miss? I think Ole Miss, number four Ole Miss, came to, came to Columbia. So, and he took me to my first game, my college game, and get the experience, the feeling. I loved the excitement there. And it kind of winged me in when I was doing, in between recruitments, getting recruited. So, when more school started coming along, but... I felt like South Carolina was home. They beat the number one Alabama team, and I fit in great with the players. We all connected, had a bond with one another, and it just felt like home. And I know my home was with the game cards. For sure. So, like you mentioned, you came in, Philip, at a time where South Carolina obviously was really starting its great run of success. Again, the best teams in school history from 2011 to 2013. You get there in 2011. Redshirt is a true freshman, but obviously you play uh, under the great Hall of Fame head coach Steve Spurrier, who, again, really got it rolling as you got in there. Uh, talk about your first interactions with Steve Spurrier. What were those like for you? It was great. He was a great coach. I mean, he loved laughing, working hard. He always knew what he was doing. I mean, it's somebody, he was a great guy. So I can't complain uh, whatever happened whatever happened during my time at South Carolina, but I know he did turn his back on his players, so. He was a great guy, and I'm glad, and I thank him. I appreciate him for giving the opportunity to play for the University of South Carolina. For sure. So, like I said, in 2011, you redshirted as a true freshman and come out of high school, Phillip. Again, you're a four-star prospect. You're rated the 13th best defensive tackle in the entire country. Uh, what was the biggest, I guess, adjustment for you going from high school to college? I mean, I had to beefing up a little bit, get stronger and faster. I mean – when I first got there, it was some big guys, so I know it wouldn't been the same. It wouldn't been the same as in high school. I wouldn't been ever been able to push over guys and did things I did in high school. So I had to just focus on getting better, getting bigger, faster, and stronger, and getting my body adjusted to something totally different. I mean, it's so hard. It it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard. It took a lot of dedication, hard work, and mindset and so I just had to set my mind and get ready and get prepared did you always know you were going to be a defensive tackle because I know you said you had to beef up and I think going into your senior year you're weighing at like 320 so obviously a defensive tackle weight but uh was that always the position for you or did you try to flip to end or I mean was it always defensive tackle for you it was always defensive tackle I mean if I had to play that position I could have did it too I know it is it, a big adjustment from high school to college because you got to know you had to key on certain things and de tackle. You still key on certain things, but I'd rather take on two people than try to cover running backs and tight ends and all that. Uh, I couldn't do it. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to ask you because, like I said, I mean, going through 2011, 12, 13, even 2014, you played on some of the best defensive lines in school history with guys like Devin Taylor, Jadavion Clowney. Uh, Melvin Ingram, you know, Byron Gerardo, just the, the list goes on and on and on of guys that you guys had. Uh, what was the what was the competition like between you guys? Because, I mean, the you know, the old saying, iron sharpens iron, I really believe in that that's true. And 
I have to imagine the competition within that room, within, within that defensive line room for you guys had to be absolutely insane with the amount of talent you guys had. I mean, being playing under my defensive coach was Coach Lauren my first few years there. I mean, the, the level of competition, it was up there. Everybody was on – everybody was – everybody wanted to be that guy, that center guy, but it was a brotherly thing that we did. We all came together and know we had to work and put in the time for the team to be successful. So we competed every day, going against one another, getting better, make making sure everyone is well prepared for the things that was coming during that game week. Who who was the guy when you got on campus and maybe sort of took you under their under their wing or maybe somebody you kind of looked up to or tried to model your game after? I mean, it was Melvin Ingram. I mean, I never seen a guy that could have Melvin Ingram. I mean, a bunch of guys. I mean, it's some of the guys that gave me just telling me to keep my head up every day because I felt like I was I wasn't sure if that what I wanted to do it or whatever. But looking at those guys, seeing how them guys competed and played and do their job and know their role and responsibility. It was Melvin, it was all the guys, Melvin Ingram, mm. Devin Taylor, uh, Davion, the Dixon brothers. We, I mean, we all just competed, competed with one another. So looking at them guys, talking to them guys, being with them guys mostly daily, on a daily basis, I learned a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like the athleticism that South Carolina had at the defensive tackle position, really across the defensive line, was crazy because it's funny. I was looking at your Instagram before the interview and saw you doing a backflip, and then we all know what freak athlete Melvin Ingram is. I mean, I, I feel like the athleticism, athleticism you guys had on the defensive line was uh, was was really crazy, and you really don't see it a lot anymore. Yes, sir. I mean, I think I, I surprised him with that, too. I mean, we was at so. <laughs> We was getting ready for a game, and I just said, Coach, I can do a flip. Coach, I told Coach Lauren, he was like, no, you can't. You see how big it is, Philip? I said, Coach, I can do a flip. He said, go ahead. I turned a flip, and like, he was like, there's no way in the world you just did a flip. So he said, oh, he called the other coaches and called the other coaches around or whatever. He was like, look at, look at this, look at this. Do it again, Philip. And I did it again. So after that, I mean, we had, we had a couple of guys. Like JT Surrett could have dunked. I could have dunked basketball. I mean, it was just so, just like you said, it was so so much athletic athleticism on the team, on the field, on the D line. So we just had to put it all together. You mentioned Brad Long, a guy that I feel like is still talked about in South Carolina circles for again the coaching job he did. I mean, again, coached some of the best defensive lines in school history. Uh, what was it about Brad Lawing, would you say, that he was able to pull that out of you guys and, again, turn you guys into – again, it was a lot of talent, but, I mean, what about Brad Lawing stands out as far as his, his coaching abilities on the defensive front? I mean, from a guy from Brad Lawing, he, he knows what it takes to get to the next level. He knows, he knows what it takes to to beat the guy in front of us. He, he finds every little detail, every little detail to win. A one-on-one battle, a two-on-one battle, I mean, he just was so – he was just so, I mean, a hard-coaching guy, but it was well worth it. I mean, I understand, I respect all the love he gave us, all the tough love. I mean, we had to go through something to get better every day. So, he didn't want to push out of us. I mean, he was a great coach. For sure. So, I want to move into, you know, going into that 2013 season – uh, Philip, because I feel like that's when you kind of really started to break out. You know, in spring of 2013, you were named most improved defensive lineman in the Garnet and Black spring game. 
Uh, that 2013 season, like I said, I, I feel like you kind of busted out. You had 14 total tackles, but a ta- uh, one and a half tackles for loss, a forced fumble in that uh, Central Florida game. W- what kind of clicked for you, I guess you could say? I know, like you said, when you got on campus, you had to beef up a little bit. But what uh, what clicked for you where you were able to start getting in there and making an impact for South Carolina? Yeah, I was seeing all them guys making plays. And I said, I feel like it's my time to bring something to the team and show up and give my talent and show my talent too and pitch in and give everything I got. So I just sit down and start talking with some of the other coaches to see what I could work on. Went in the meeting rooms and look at films. I look at film on my own and see what I could could get better. So and watch and study film. So it took time, but I got there. I try to reach the peak and I give it everything I got. For sure. So I, I want to speak on really quickly. Obviously, again, you went to Manning High School. You picked South Carolina over Clemson. Uh, you guys took care of business against those, against those guys your first three years, you know, part of the five-game winning streak. Just kind of talk about your experience in that Carolina-Clemson rivalry and how sweet it was to, uh, you know, to beat those guys the first three years you were on campus. I mean, it was great. It was unbelievable. Like, when I went to the games, you know, I was, I was sitting in the stands at first, but actually being on the field, being on the sideline, being dressed up with the guys, and actually winning, winning and somewhat contributing to the team, it was a great feeling. Like, I would never forget. I remember when they – I think they had came to us that year, the first – my first year where mm-hmm. I read shit. Yeah. But the whole stadium, 85,000, probably more than that was in the in the stadium. I mean, it was just it just unbelievable experience. And I would, something that well, I would never forget. For sure. So I want to go back to that Central Florida game because, like I said, Philip, I feel like that was the, the first big play that you made for South Carolina during your career was the forced fumble at Central Florida. Talk about that play a little bit and then talk about that game too because that was a crazy back-and-forth game and – Obviously, South Carolina finally figured out it needed to give the ball to Mike Davis basically every single play, and, you know, you guys kind of ran away with it. But talk about that play, how it felt, you know, for you personally to kind of break through and get that first big play of your career. I mean, it, it was great. It's something that that I didn't think I was going to be able to do. I mean, it just came out of nowhere. It, it was Jared Dixon who caused one fumble and got it himself. So I said, okay, it's my turn to try to knock the ball loose. So. The quarterback running, and one thing Brad Line taught us is chase the ball, chase the ball, chase the ball. And I chased the ball, and I was rewarded with a forced fumble. And the fan, the fans we did have there, they went, they went crazy. I mean, the guys showed me love, bring, I mean, help out with everything. So it was just great. I can't, I couldn't believe it, but it was something that gave me motivation that I know I can do it. For sure. So I, I want to jump backwards a little bit to the 2012 Georgia game because uh, South Carolina obviously just going on the road, beating Georgia and Athens. Uh, talk about that 2012 Georgia game for you, Philip. What were the memories from that? I mean, have you ever heard Williams Rice Stadium louder than you did that night? Oh no, I didn't. I mean, I, like when I put my helmet on, it seemed like it echoed everywhere. I mean, <laughs> I couldn't even hear myself think that how loud it was. I say, Lord, here we go, trying to take out the beat number five team in the country. So. We did what we had to do, took care of business. Everybody was out there making plays and having fun. The fans were having fun. We enjoyed the moment with the fans. The best fan base in the country. But it, it that was just un, unbelievable. To hear that much noise in the stadium, like, I really couldn't hear myself think. No doubt. So I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but back to the 2013 season, uh, you were part of the team that you guys – Go to Missouri, um, you know, obviously Dylan Thompson's getting the start, Connor Shaw injured. 
you know, we all know the story. Connor Shaw comes in fourth quarter. You guys are able to storm back, come back and get the win. Have you ever played in a crazier football game than that with so much dramatics and the comeback and going to overtime? The defense, obviously, I feel like you guys really, really put it on your back, you know, to to play your best football with, you know, your starting quarterback out for at least the first three quarters. I mean, just just talk about that game and kind of the emotions. You know, what were the emotions for you like once you saw that kick hit the uh, hit the upright? I mean, it was just one crazy game. Like they had some, they had some key, they had some big plays. They made big plays. We made big plays, but we put it all together. Like just to see that kick going and hit the upright. It, before it going went up and hit the upright, I couldn't even watch it. I couldn't even watch it. I had to sit and turn my head, put the towel on my head. I said, "Lord, please, just win this game." So what happened when when they say he missed, everything just break out, and I just know it was our time. We win it. We took. We took a we took a loss to Tennessee, a tough loss to Tennessee, and we came back and we fought it out as a team to beat Missouri. So that it's it just been an unbelievable game. For sure. So I, I want to jump to because obviously, like I mentioned earlier, you played with Jadavion Clowney, and you were obviously I'm not sure if you were on the field, but if nothing else, on the team when he had to hit all that stuff. Being his teammate, um, when did you know that he was going to be? a special player and not just a special player like on your team, but I mean, nationally, you know, and obviously what he's doing in the NFL now speaks to that. But when did you know that he wasn't just an ordinary guy? This was a guy that had like a generational type talent. I mean, from looking at his highlights in high school, playing, running back, everything, doing everything on the field, defense, defensive end. I mean, even just so much about the guy, like when, guy who played the first game and he came out with three tackles and sacks and doing what he loved doing and having fun like when we was on the field time i get off the ball he was gone i know i know i'm big but love, i said dang <laughs> so i just knew he was fast big strong i knew he he was the man and something you rarely see but he had the talent he still had the talent i mean one of the greatest teammates i ever meet played with i mean it's something I can say about the guy. I just know he wasn't a regular person. Mm. For sure. So going into, you know, 14 and 15, I want to talk about your game specifically, though, Philip. What would you say? Because, again, you got better and better and better, I feel like, every single year. What was it from a scheme perspective or from your just own development? I mean, what was it about your game that you think improved the most while you were at South Carolina? I mean, my time at South Carolina, I think – how can I see it? I mean – Get better in my mind, better in my getting my body in seat and built for what was coming, and just try to be the leader. Them guys left, be be a leader just like them guys that left behind. Who all came through? Melvin Ingram, Jadavion Clowney, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Holliman, DJ Swins. It's so many people who've been a leader and role model. And that way, I was trying to do. And I said, if I want to take my game to the next level, I just have to step it up and prepare myself and get my mind right and be that guy and be the person that they need me to be and help the team. No doubt. So I, I want to jump again. 2014, you have another big play for South Carolina against South Alabama. You have a fumble recovery. Uh, just talk about that game again. I know 2014, the defense sort of, sort of took a little bit of a step back and there were different factors for that. But you're able to make a big play in a game for South Carolina. Just kind of reflect on that. I mean, I feel like looking back now especially, uh, that's something that's got to be pretty special to you. I mean, that season, it was taking, that whole season was taking a turn. You know, things were falling apart, like you said. And just try to keep it together and have fun. I'm, 
And on that, that specific play, I just saw the ball and I, oh, I got to get it. I got to get it. So when I, when the ball was just floating around, I just dived on it and I came up with it. There's no way they was going to take that ball from me. <laughs> and I said, we need a big, we need a big play. We got a big play. We got, we got the fumble and they went down and scored. And it's something that keep giving, we keep feeding off one another energy. So it been a lot of guys out there who works been helping us get through this through the situation so always was out there to have fun and do and play play the game we love for sure so 2015 obviously did not go the way you guys wanted to go your senior season uh steve spurrier about halfway through the year announced his retirement i mean talk about just what's going through your mind because again this is the guy that recruited you uh this entire staff really but steve spurrier the guy that recruited you your head coach i mean it's kind of interesting i think philip you you your career, very intriguing because you saw the South Carolina program on two polar opposite ends of the spectrum. I mean, from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, but specifically the retirement announcement, if you will. What was going through your mind? I mean, what, what, what was your reaction when you got the news that Steve Sprayer was going to be retiring? I mean, when I got the news, I, I was a little upset. But at the end of the day, I know that it was easy, it's easy to give up the thing you love, but I know at the time I can't give up. This is what I love doing. Everything happens for a reason, so all we can do is just keep pushing and keep going forward, move, get better each and every day. I mean, I, I wasn't going to give up. I wasn't going to stop playing, doing what I love doing. I mean, everything, just like I said before, everything happens for a reason, so this is our time to get better. Either going to make us or break us, so we just keep fighting as a team. No doubt. So, Philip, I want to ask you, because I feel like it's something. I've had a couple of your different teammates on that team on this show, but I haven't really asked them this. I want to get your opinion on it, because I feel like it's not talked about enough. The job that was done by Sean Elliott, uh, again, I know the rest of the season really didn't turn out the way you wanted, but I feel like he came in, was able to rally the troops, get this team together, and if nothing else, believe and play hard and go out there and uh, play hard for each other. Uh, talk about the job that Sean Elliott did, and what was the relationship with the players like with, uh, with Sean Elliott? I mean, it was very intense and something I love. This was a guy that I talked to every day. I mean, I was going to pray, I speak to him and shake his hand or do something, do something where he always has something positive to say. I mean, we tough it out. We he put he pushes, 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 and we keep going, keep going. He brought a lot of energy to the team when Coach Perry resigned. So that one guy, I think, for giving me an opportunity. To, the play as well. He gave me my first start in my senior season. He also keep my head up, keep my head up, keep everybody head up in the game. So that one guy, I wish I had another year to play with, play for. So it was just unbelievable. That was a guy like he brought a lot of energy. Everybody been feeding off his energy. I mean, it was just, he just was a great guy. For sure. So talk about, you know, Philip, obviously your career ends at South Carolina 2015, a very successful career. Again, like I said, I think it's just really interesting that you were a guy that you saw the highest of highs, you saw the lowest of lows. I mean, you really saw it all at South Carolina, but you get done with your career at South Carolina. Talk about for me, what was next for you? I mean, as far as trying to pursue, I'm, I'm sure you were trying to pursue professional football. Like what, uh, what was next for you after your career? Because I feel like a lot of Gamecock fans are, are unfamiliar with kind of what happened next for Philip Dukes. I mean, I I tried I tried out for the NFL, got released by one team and really didn't handle one to talk for me like that. So 
I just went on. I tried for the CFL. I gave my I gave it my all, and I know it came to an end. So I went back to my old high school, started helping and coaching my old high school, giving back to the kids and let them know what it takes to help them get where they need to be in life. And just that, I know I I know I could have do it, and I know others that can do it too. So I'm just trying to motivate the other ones to do better and do better than what I did. Give them my knowledge. Uh, my perspective on being a college athlete. That's awesome. So when you look back again, Philip, a, a great career. When you look back on your career at South Carolina, uh, I know you probably have a lot of them, but what, what's one memory that sticks out to you that's your favorite memory uh, in Garnet and Black? Uh, my favorite one was when we beat, well, it all, it all the games, when we beat Clemson at home, Three years, well, two years, two years back when we were beating Clemson, it's just that it, it wasn't so many people out here being Clemson fans and everything. Everybody used to come talk to me whenever I do come home, Clemson did Clemson there, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was so much. But when we were winning, they had nothing to say. So beating Clemson five years in a row, like, that did its thing. So hmm. that was great, man. I'll never forget. So, Philip, I want to get your take on the uh, the current state of Gamecock football. Obviously, again, proud alum. I know you're someone that still follows the program pretty closely. Will Muschamp taking over after Steve Spurrier. And I think there was a lot of talk and a lot of question about the direction of the program and just kind of how things were going. South Carolina, though, goes to Athens, gets a huge, huge win. I mean, arguably one of the biggest wins in school history, probably the biggest upset ever in school history. Uh, talk about, you know, just as an alum, your thoughts on the program, kind of the direction of the program, and uh, that, that Georgia game, obviously – uh, what what are you seeing, and what are your thoughts on kind of where things are going with South Carolina football? I mean, it takes it takes game by game, uh, play by play, every second every second count. I mean, everybody it is not how you start; it's how you finish. And I feel like them guys coming together as a team and playing for one another and listening to the coaches and understand what they have to do. And for them to beat Georgia in Georgia between the edges. They did the job. They got the job done. They played together. They never laid down. They never sit down. You had guys like Ken Law who who wasn't gonna get taken out of the game. That was that what it takes. I mean, if you want to win, you gotta sacrifice yourself sometimes. And he did that. The whole team they sacrificed themselves. They suck it up and keep playing. They keep playing as a family, and I, that's something I love seeing. So I know it. it more time they're gonna stick together. I know more time they will come together. It just t- it just take a little bit of time, and I believe in it. I never give up on them any time during the season. For sure. So I'm really intrigued to ask you, Philip. Obviously, as someone that played the position, when you watch Javon Kinlaw, which I mean, I, I'd say he's been a one man wrecking crew all season. But when you watch Javon Kinlaw at defensive tackle, what do you like about his game? What do you see in his game that you think could translate, maybe even to the NFL? Or what what do you what would you say makes him such a successful player? at the defensive tackle position for Carolina? I mean, he uses his hand very well. He get off this ball, and he is determined not to be stopped. I mean, he always go, he give a, he give a 110% effort every time, every snap, everything he got to do. He always bring them guys together. I mean, they having fun on D-line. They celebrate together. They cheering one another on and supporting one another. For him to, to be that strong and powerful, I mean, it been one time during the game when he pushed and pulled someone, he pulled him over. So I know he got what it takes to get to the next level, and I'll I be following him every day. 
no doubt. So, Philip, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you run, but before I do, uh, kind of a uh, lighthearted question, if you will. Your funniest Steve Spurrier story, or just story in general, when you were at South Carolina? <laughs> the funniest one, funny one I, I remember was man, we was getting ready to play in the bowl game, and I didn't thought about uh, we were doing the play, and Steve Spurrier was standing on the sideline, and so when the play was almost over or whatever, the quarterback take the ball and throw it to T Spray and he started running down the field and he, he tumbled over. So that's something I couldn't start laughing about. That was funny. I ain't never seen him run like that. <laughs> which uh, which bowl game was that going into? I think it was it was uh, uh the Outback Bowl. Right. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Philip, really do appreciate you taking the time, man. Obviously, you know, a pleasure to speak with you. And I, I know I can speak for Gamecock Nation when I say we really appreciate what you did in Garnet and Black again. I mean, part of definitely, without a doubt, the best teams in school history and for sure the, the, uh, the best uh, defensive lines in school history, as well as, you know, a pleasure and a, an honor to watch you uh, don the Garnet and Black. And, you know, appreciate you taking the time. Love to have you back on sometime to talk some ball. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'm glad to be back on. For sure. So, so for Philip Dukes, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show.